0: Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations. Today's going to be really a hot button topic that I think we've seen talked about in a reoccurring theme, but really just want to jump into this concept of pride and ego and really some recommendations to you that I would like to submit to you as a listener of things that we should be looking for and seeing in ourselves, most importantly, and then also in the people we love. This really is specifically for people in ministry. Obviously, like I always say, these things are applicable to no matter who you are. Maybe you're in the business space or in school. All all of it is still relevant. It just might, the context might change a little bit. So to jump in, we we always want to figure out this concept, right? Like pride and ego and the difference between pride and confidence. Like pride and confidence are two very different things. And in my time reflecting on this episode I think confidence is great. I think you should be confident. I think you should be confident in the things that God has called you to do. Obviously, if God's called you to do it, then you should be confident in that. And a a confident person, though, you, you can always tell the difference between pride and confidence, in my opinion, because you can always get to the source. So pride says, I did it or you did it. This was all me. I took a hold of this. It's me, 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 me obviously confidence says God got me there. And obviously that's like 99% of this. But what I, what I would submit to you is also is the people who, people who are behind the scenes or people who are next to you also being a part of it. Pride seems to separate yourself from the people you're doing life with or ministry with. And I just, I just don't know if that's what God wants us to do. And we'll obviously kind of talk about this a little bit in this episode, but there are There are things that we've seen. I mean, Google pastor and you've seen things that happen in in our ecosystem that aren't good. And there's things that happen in every single organization or system that obviously are not good. But what I'm saying about this is we've seen a lot of pastors in the news, whether that be about having an affair on their spouse or not stewarding finances well or mental health stuff and all that to say. I don't want to just put blanket statements out there. I don't want to just say it's because of this one thing or it's because of this one character trait. Although I do think most of the time it does stem back to or go back to a time when somebody in their mind either shifted by themselves, maybe it was spiritual or maybe it was somebody else or all of the above, twisted their mind to think that it's no longer them with a team or them with their church or them with their spouse. It's always seems to be this separation and moving away from people that you love and really you were called the steward anyway. So in in this episode, I want to submit seven thoughts to you. Again, I, I'm not saying these are absolutes. I'm not saying these things you have to do. I'm saying these are warning signs and things that I've seen of people super close to me because I've been super close to situations like this. But then also just the general observations I think that are good things to think about and good promptings even to sit with yourself and your spouse or most mostly important obviously is God because we gotta do this for the long haul. Like everybody says that. Everybody says, man, I, I wanna be I wanna be better in ten years. I wanna continue to evolve as a person. But the reality is I don't know if we actually mean that because what you prioritize or what you care about should reflect the systems you have in your life. And systems is not just an app or a, a way that you function. It's really all of it. It's it reflects your calendar, it reflects your your values, it reflects your priorities, it reflects your your rhythms in your life. So all that to say, some of these are just recommendations and observations, not truths. Again, but they are stemmed from truth from scripture. And personal experience. So I want to submit to you. So you don't have to learn this in 20 years or five years or whatever. You can listen to this and apply it today. Or you don't have to. That's okay. Again, this is conversations. I, I'm simply going to submit some things to you. And I hope that you would uh, at least listen. So one, be genuinely interested in people. Like You want to get rid of pride and ego. You want to get rid of... That that self arrogance. Be genuinely interested in the people. Because if you're if you're if you are saying Josh, I'm I'm a ministry, I'm a pastor, I'm a director, I'm a minister, or whatever. I think what you were called to do was serve and love people. Newsflash: You can't preaching to an empty room was never a calling. Preaching to an empty, pastoring an empty room was not a calling because it's just you, and God never called you to do something by yourself. He's usually using the way your personal upbringing, your experience, your knowledge, and the giftings he gave you to teach and reach other people how to be like him and how to love him well and to remind them that he loves them. So how do you treat the people who have nothing to give you? And again, this is is catered towards ministry leaders or church leaders, but how, how do you treat the people who genuinely have nothing to give you? In your church, maybe you're speaking at an event and it's somewhere else, they literally have nothing to give you. They don't have finances to give you. They don't have time to give you. They don't have anything. They barely believe in God, let's say. How do you treat those people? Because you can always tell the, the actual authenticity of a person by how they're treating people who have nothing else to give them. And by the way, I think that's what when generosity actually kicks in, is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow into this person. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to serve this person, even if I don't get anything in return. That to me sounds like a pure heart, and that to me sounds like somebody who doesn't have pride. Also in that lane, how do you treat the people who don't have a big following or don't have a big church? How do you treat the, the quote-unquote little guy? And I don't mean little as in quantity in their attendance. I'm saying the person with 150 followers who thinks you're the coolest person in whatever state you live in. They're like, man, that guy is my hero. How do you treat that person? not because they think you're cool or not because they think you're gifted. And on the other side of it, not because you think there's something behind it. Genuinely just treating the people with with an authenticity and with compassion and empathy. And on the other side of it too, how do you treat the people with big following, big churches? Does your posture change? Does your heart change? Does your tone of voice change? Does your smile and countenance change? When those things start to change in different rooms, what you're telling you're telling on yourself, one, because most people can see through that, but what you're, what you're telling the people in the room is, I'm willing to be a chameleon in my environments. And I would just like to submit to you that the way God created you and the way God designed you is good enough. And if you have to start to be a chameleon in rooms, you're probably not in the right rooms or in unhealthy rooms. You don't have to change your countenance you don't have to change your posture you don't and i'm not saying if you have a bad countenance you probably should change that regardless but what i'm saying is if if we constantly change how we act around different people and that might even actually translate into the business space if you treat your boss differently than your coworker it reflects internally how you think of other people and again some of, the, some of these are harsh truths, and I'm just re- submitting these to you, but the reality is we need to be consistent in how we treat people, how we love people, how we serve people, because what that shows is you are a consistent, authentic person. That might offend people, by the way. That might upset people, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility isn't other people's reactions or emotions in that situation. Your responsibility is to be who God called you to be. Which, if you don't know who God's called you to be, read his Bible, we can read the Bible, because it's clear to me how we're supposed to treat people, number one, who don't have anything to give to us, and on the other side of it, the people who do or don't. We're supposed to treat people with love. We're supposed to treat people with kindness, with gentleness, again, fruit of the Spirit. So be genuinely interested in people. Number two, treat your spouse better than you treat your ministry. And there's a caveat to this newsflash. Your marriage is your ministry. Like, the more I've been in ministry, I've been in ministry for, I don't know, seven or eight years, the more I get into ministry, the more less I'm impressed with a communication skill or a gifting on somebody, and the more impressed I am of somebody who treats their kid, kid or kids, and spouse properly, the way that God is demanded and commanded us to do so. Because the person who is so gifted from a platform and so gifted from a staff meeting or a small group or in in the business space in in a meeting on a Zoom call but treats their spouse like garbage you you can already tell that that's a massive disconnect of who they actually are and who they're pretending to be again your marriage is your ministry you want you want a fruitful incredible ministry have a fruitful incredible marriage and again i've we've heard these things a thousand times at conferences at pastor gatherings all that to say, maybe it's time for us to actually apply this. Like maybe this is the last time where you go, yeah, that was really good. I'm going to put that in my notes, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Maybe it is time for you to actually take your spouse on a date. Maybe it's actually time for you to, when you say you you value your spouse's voice, maybe it's actually time for you to apply what they're communicating. Just because it isn't what you want doesn't mean it's not right. Again, if you say that you value your spouse's voice, if you say you value your kid's opinion, which some people don't, and that's okay. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying what to do. I'm submitting to you things that I've seen. So many people won't, many people even listening to this, you won't actually physically cheat on your spouse, which is good. I don't obviously think that that's a good idea. I don't think any of us do. But what you will do is you will cheat on your spouse with your job. And your job might be ministry. Your job might be a pastoral position in your church. But what I'm saying is if you're prioritizing God's bride over your bride, that means you're you're committing not physical adultery, but your, your mind and your heart and your agendas are all focused on something that God has said your priority should be your spouse before your job, before your vocation. Because the reality is that job can be gone in two years. You could be in ministry most what is it, like 90% of pastors won't be in ministry within the first five years of their first ministry position. So all that to say, don't cheat on your spouse with your job. Don't cheat on your spouse with your hobbies. That's another one we don't really talk about. You, You hide behind your hobbies or hide behind your job because you're afraid to confront, one, yourself, and two, your spouse. And what I'm submitting to you right now, recommending to you, is to get your priorities back in check. Value the things that God values, because when you when your values start to shift in between what God values, now you're being in a space where that you're gonna have to sustain that, and in my experience or even time in ministry, that will last about six months and you internally will explode or you'll externally explode, and everything around you will start to shift. people will start to see the real you again, these are the things you see in the news. It's people who have misprioritized what God has prioritized for them. There's some things that we don't actually get to have an opinion about. It's absolute truth in scripture, therefore we do it. Just because you've been in ministry or just because you preach on big stages does not mean you're better than the person who just got saved a week ago. They have the same priorities as you. I get it, we have different accountabilities based on the New Testament. In Titus and First and Second Timothy, most of Paul writings is towards the church and church leaders, so we can listen to that and go, great, I would love this. But the reality is you as a person, you don't have to live that way. And if you're listening to this and going, man, I don't want to be this way. Okay. Start dating your spouse again. Start serving your spouse again. Start dating your kids again. And And then what I'm saying is start to get your priorities back in place. Be attentive. Be home. Put your phone away when you get home. Your kids and your spouse are looking for you not to be their savior, not to be their pastor, but to just be present. To be the person you are, again, most of the time should be the same person consistently as we talked about previously to this. But you you listening to this, there is zero reasons you could give me right now. There's zero reasons you could comment. There are zero reasons that if we were at coffee, you could tell me that makes it okay for you to not serve your spouse and not date your spouse. And dating your spouse isn't going to a movie and not talking about your week or not talking about your future together. Dating your spouse looks like actually being intentional, listening to them. Because you're you're not communicating if you're not connecting. What I'm saying is, you can be talking all you want at dinner or on a walk in the park, but if you're not actually connecting, you're not communicating. And you have to be able to get to a point of understanding what your spouse needs in that moment to be able to serve them well and to make sure they're heard, seen, and valued. So, number two, treat your spouse better than you treat your vocation or job. Number three, care more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. I want to say this. I think sometimes we turn our job or our ministry, aka like the church you work at, actually into an idol. And an idol is something, anything that you can't give back to God is an idol, is something that you're worshiping more than the God who gave you it. And again, Mm -hmm. your job isn't bad. Your hobbies are not bad. Your priorities right now might not even be bad, but show me your prioritization, and also care more about your internal heart than your external, your job, your money, your looks, your whatever. We just had it. We just had a conversation with Dan Blythe. He talked about the difference between an influencer and a leader. Thought it was brilliant. An influencer impacts the inside or outside. Sorry, the influencer changes and impacts the outside it's all about the externals about the followers it's about the look it's about the feel and a leader impacts the heart and i don't know about you but i don't i don't want to just be an influencer i don't want to just have external influence so people think that i look cool and all that stuff i think it actually rip, ripples way more in the in the in your job and your home and all that when you care more about your heart and who you're becoming so we we just we got to care about who we're becoming more than the the job that you do or the role that you have or the title you have all that stuff by the way doesn't carry into heaven what will is your stewardship obedience and probably most importantly how you treat your spouse so care more about who you are becoming again character are you developing your character just as much or if not more than just developing your job or your ministry also Just because you're developing doesn't mean you're developing properly because we're all growing or we're dying. There's no plateauing in growth or development. The future, you will look like somebody. And what I want to say is most of the time in our space, in the ministry space anyways, you're gonna look like one of two people. You're gonna look more like Jesus or you're gonna look more like the pastor who's influenced you the most. And hopefully that pastor, by the way, is also looking to Jesus. And if they're doing their job, they're making sure you look more like Jesus and not more like them. And again, when I say look, I don't mean physically, obviously, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, all of, the, all of that space. But I don't, I don't want you to get to 55 years old and look back at your life and go, man, I was a copycat my whole life. I was so insecure and so lost because I saw other people older than me do the same thing I did. So I just thought that was the right thing to do. Just because somebody does it doesn't mean you should do it, right? We heard that in second grade. Just because Sally jumps off the bridge doesn't mean you have to, right? Yes, exactly. So for you, what would would your life look like if you spent more time learning and thinking and processing and becoming more like Jesus, which happens by reading God's word and also sitting in his presence and sitting around other people, by the way, who look and sound like Jesus? than just copying the next pastor that you could probably name. And all those people are great, by the way. And most of the people that you're trying to copycat don't have this problem because they've processed, man, I'm so secure in myself that I'm okay with judgment. I'm okay with hate. I'm okay with the comments, all that to say, the people who you're trying in your head to copy, they're good. Like they're they're not trying to copy each other. And what we end up doing is you take the three, and again, this is, it's okay. It's okay to love your pastor. It's okay to serve your pastor. It's okay to even look at some of their traits and personality and all that stuff to say, man, I feel like I could learn from this, but I'm going to put it in my own lens. Or it's okay to like someone's fashion and say, dude, that guy looks cool. I want to dress like him. That's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. Hope you hear my heart on this. What I'm saying is just because they did something doesn't mean you should or shouldn't. But Jesus That's who we're commanded and called to replicate his traits, his personality, the way he carried himself, the way he treated his disciples. You can look like one of two people. I'm saying this because I've seen it. You can start to think that, man, if I started to communicate or look like this person, I might end up getting more opportunities. It's not going to work. Or you're going to get bad opportunities or opportunities that are actually distracting from the future God wants you to be because he wants you to be like his son. Jesus is our model. Jesus is the model. Jesus is, and again, we'll never, we'll never hit that, but that's the point of sanctification. Sanctification isn't growing into look like the person I look up to on the planet. It's growing and looking more like Jesus. So care more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. Number four, stewardship always wins. Stewardship, how you steward everything in your life. Your, your body, how you steward your health, how you steward your finances, how would you steward your relationships, your steward yourself, your solitude. All of your stewardship genuinely points to the future of yourself. The potential that Josh has is based on my stewardship today. And I feel like this is more practical than not, but I would like to submit to you, show me your transactions, I will show you your future. What I mean by transactions is quite literally your bank transactions yes where you put your finances shows not only God but the people in your life what you prioritize and i'm not going to i'm not going to have an opinion on this episode about what you should have that in and where it should be but what i'm saying is please care about the things that god cares about and also please care about the things that you are teaching other people in your church to care about because what ends up happening is the things you don't care about that you're teaching, they should care about. Those are the things that actually will end up exposing you. Because why? Your integrity carries more weight than your gifting. Integrity carries the weight. There's very little weight in anointing and gifting. All of that stuff, obviously, is based on God's character and his kindness and his generosity towards his people of saying, man, I'm going to give this jacked up person gifting and anointing and wind behind their back on these things. Those are things that I don't know. I'm not God. I don't have that opinion because it's the way God works. He he sees things differently than we do. What I'm saying is stewardship goes way farther than ambitions and dreams, all that stuff. And you should have dreams. You should have visions. You should have ambitions. Those things are great. But all that to say, stewardship always wins. And if you steward those boring moments, because 95% of ministry and 95% of your job is not the the big moment. And whatever big means to you, I can't define that for you, but maybe it's, man, I just want to preach at conferences. Great. Be really good at preaching in kids' ministry every Sunday. I just want to be a millionaire and travel the world. Cool. Be really good at cold calling in your job today. Steward the boring moments. And there's somebody that I look up to a lot. He His name is Rob O'Neill. He was a Guy who was Navy, uh, SEAL Team Six, Navy SEALs, he'd always talk about buds and how it was the hardest time of his life. Like, obviously, it's the hardest and most intense military training on the planet. But what he said is how he got through that was literally when he woke up, his number one goal in life was to get to lunch. And right after lunch, you know what his biggest goal, his biggest goal in his whole life was not to be a Navy SEAL, not to be in SEAL Team Six, not to be on the raids that you and I have saw on the news. His biggest goal was to get to dinner. And after dinner, his biggest goal is to get into his bed. That to me shows somebody what he's willing to steward. He's going to steward that three-hour pocket and be absolutely the best he can be in that pocket of time. And once he got to lunch, he'd celebrate and go, "Man, man, I can't wait to get to dinner. How you steward those moments definitely points to your future. Number five, backdoor agendas don't have to be your future. They don't. And what I mean by backdoor agendas is something that you're, if you communicated this, everyone would go, yikes, that's bad. Why would would you think that? Obviously, that's not going to work. Backdoor agendas happen. Honestly, I would say every single one of us has either currently having a backdoor agenda, has had one, or will have one in the future. But all that to say, stop trying to open doors. God, it's clearly shut. And you know God has shut it because every time you do it, you feel a little heart check. It's called Conviction you feel conviction but instead of you actually doing something about it you just go no i i i think this is a faith moment no it's not god shut the door leave it shut and you don't it's again he's shutting the front door and we're human we have free will so we can manipulate our way into basically anything again for a season because in outside of the will of god that means you have to sustain it and we know, yes, I have it literally tattooed on my hand. Like all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Okay. But Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So if you love Jesus, you listen to what he says. He's, he's your Lord or he's not. And if he's your Lord, that means if he shuts a door, keep it shut. You won't have to advertise, by the way, what God sets in motion. What God sets in motion, you will not have to advertise. You will not have to manipulate your way into The things that God wants you to do, the doors will swing open faster than you can imagine. I've had a couple things in the past six months where literally wasn't even on my radar. I had zero ideas, zero agenda of things, and something just happens. And you know it's God because why? It's God-breathed. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to force your way. You don't have to manipulate your way into it. And again, we've all been through this. What I'm saying is backdoor agendas don't have to be your future. You don't have to be the pastor who desperately privately just wants to preach at other people's churches so much so that you're willing to manipulate friendships to get to that door. You don't have to be that way. You can listen to this and go, man, that convicted me. I don't have to be that way. I'm going to start being genuine with my spouse and with my friends. That's the best case scenario of this episode. I just want you to start being who God's designed you to be and stop pretending to be somebody you're not. So backdoor generals don't have to be your future. You will not have to advertise what God sets in motion. If God's called you to do it, what? You know the rest. Okay, that was super cheesy. That's all right. Backdoor agenda this don't have to be your future. Number six, find people who love you. And we have, this is a lot, one of the last two recommendations for you, but find the people who love you, not the ones who want to preach at your church, not the ones who are desiring your gift, just the people who genuinely love you for you. Most of the time, I would, I would submit to you, it's your spouse your family, and the people in your own local church. Those three pockets, best case scenario, all of that is in your local church. But most of the time, or sometimes we live in America. so. And, and by the way, there's like 60, I think, countries who listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this. It's so cool to me that we, we're all learning together. But find people who love you, not the ones who want to preach at your church, the ones you, you know, the right ones to bring in your circle. When they take time, I don't have kids, I have a dog, but the ones who take time to talk to your kids, to listen to your kids, they get down on ground level to talk to your kids or they, they spend time talking to your spouse, listening to your spouse, laughing with your spouse. If your spouse can get along with them, it's usually a good sign. And husbands listening to this, which I'm assuming is most of you because I think my audience is like 80% male or whatever, most of the time your wife is right about the person that you're talking with, hanging out with. If they have something they feel a little weird about, most of the time they're right. So find the people who love you. They don't just love your gifting. They don't love your future potential. They don't love your calling. They don't love your personality. They genuinely just love you as a person. And these are the people, by the way, that you can talk to about other things besides ministry. You can just have a conversation. You can talk about Deion Sanders and CU football. You can talk about cars, pick golf, whatever it is for you, whatever the thing that you love, that isn't your job, things that you can talk to about that. And and those are the people that you need to invest your time in. Don't invest your time in people who just want something out of you, or again, going back to the last one, they have a backdoor agenda, and you can tell if somebody has a backdoor agenda. It's about as obvious as you get. About I don't know, maybe two months ago I was in. South Carolina and I had somebody call me one of my friends who's in ministry other other side of the country and he he said man I keep getting opportunities to preach at people's churches but I don't know how to decipher between the ones I should say yes to and the ones I shouldn't say no to based on my relationship with them because I'm friends with them I just don't know which ones I should yes to and no to Josh how do you do it and I said to them I recommended to them and I recommend to you when you get on a call with them or FaceTime or you're seeing them at coffee for the first time in six, seven months. What are the first couple things they ask you about? Do they ask you about your church? Do they ask you about here's your church size, your conference? Do they ask you about, hey, do you know so and so? Hey, do you know, have you heard about so and so? Or they ask you how you're doing. How how is your mental health? How is your spouse? How are your kids? Again, the people who care about you the most will care more about not what you do, but who you are and how you treat the ones around you. So find people who love you. Find find the people who are going to ask you the hard questions. Find the people who are going to check you and tell you, hey, your ego is through the roof right now, dude. You need to chill out. Find the people who love you. Last one, and this one was based on my reflection a couple hours ago, but when did Jesus not become the answer in your life? When did Jesus not become the answer? When you were young, you got saved, and... God transformed your life and he He gave you this bright and beautiful future to, that you saw and you go, man, God, I can't wait. And today I'm going to do whatever it takes to build the church and build myself and tell my friends about Jesus. When did that stop? When did it stop? And at most of the time I'm assuming it was trauma. It was hurt. It was whatever that was for you. I need to think about that moment because we can't get away from the basics. I'll tell you what, My middle school teachers and early high school teachers all could point to my lack of listening in second grade in math class when the second grade teacher said, Josh, these basics here are going to help you so much in middle school and high school. Without these, you're going to get nowhere. And the similar lane, when you start to mute or distort the basics, that shows a trauma, a hurt, a jadedness towards what God has done and will continue to do. Jesus is the answer. And and you can always tell this, by the way, when somebody goes, yeah, but come on, like there's got to be more to that. And these are people of ministry, by the way, the people of ministry who start to distort the person of Jesus. I just, I just don't even know what, what you're trying to do without Jesus because he's literally the whole point. The whole point of this conversation, the whole point of this podcast, the whole point of our conversation we're having right now, all that to say, whenever Jesus stopped being the answer and solution to your problems in your future, that is usually the sign of something that happened that we need, you need to address. You need to address to a therapist, with your pastor, with yourself, with your spouse, with God. Sometimes we forget the importance of repentance. Repentance just means, man, I'm out of alignment. I need to realign my convictions and my heart And my daily obedience, my picking up my cross daily, many of us pick it up once every six months when it's convenient, but what I'm saying is, Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the solution, and the first six, all of these step to your personal relationship with Jesus, not a relationship with Jesus to get something out of him, not to get out of content, not to get a good sermon or leadership teaching, all that stuff is great, but all of that stuff comes from your personal, full cup you're absolutely full cup the overflow is what other people get including your spouse so if you don't have that i would venture to say you stopped thinking jesus was the answer and he absolutely is jesus is the answer to your problems jesus is the has your beautiful bright future you if you just sit with him and spend time with him thank you so much for listening to us again i just wanted to recommend seven observations that i've seen of people who are on the other side of a very public failure or on the other side of a very private mistake or hurt or hang up. And I just want us to grow and be a little bit better together. Again, some of these things are not absolute truths. Don't copy and paste this in your life immediately. Again, I hope you took notes and just sat with maybe a friend or your pastor and asked about these things and Again if you have any questions maybe on your on YouTube you can comment or podcast you can just thread in the in the poll or whatever again we love you so much and we'll see you next week